Hey everyone, welcome to a surprise bonus episode of Every Version Ever. My name is Jonathan North, and today I wanted to share a short review I did last year for my Oztober series on YouTube. I doubt I'll ever have the occasion to cover this in a full episode, so I thought I'd share the review I did last year as is. This is an originally unreleased animated short adaptation of The Wizard of Oz, which was actually the very first time the story was told in animation. Sort of. Really, the first couple of minutes were inspired by The Wizard of Oz, and the rest of it... Well, I have no idea what happened with the rest of this, which is kind of sad because the story in this short is credited to Colonel Frank Baum, which refers to Frank Joslin Baum, the son of the original author. So it seems that L. Frank Baum's son may have actually written this film's script, and even if he didn't, he was involved with the production, which I say is kind of sad because of how far the short strays from the source material. But then I was doing some reading on the Baum family, and this particular son ended up getting sued by his own mother because he was trying to take over the publishing rights to the entire Oz series so he could write his own Oz stories. So, really, who knows what was going on with Frank Joslin Baum. Maybe he thought he was carrying on the family business or something. From what I've read, it sounds like he did love his father's stories. So, who knows? He's not alive to defend his actions, so... I think we'll probably just move on. I just found all that kind of interesting and kind of a bit sad, <laughs> but I figured it was kind of relevant, so I thought I'd share it. One of the main reasons that hardly anyone knows about this version is that it was technically never released. It was made in Canada by a man named Ted Eshbaugh, who I've already never heard of. The music was actually by Carl Stalling of Looney Tunes fame, but even that couldn't save this film from obscurity because... Due to a licensing issue with Technicolor, the studio was not legally allowed to distribute the film. I'm sure people in the movie business were actually allowed to watch it because it seems to have been known about in the industry. Plus, if you watch it, you'll see that it's very likely that some of the elements of the film influenced even the MGM version, but it was never distributed to the general public, so most normal people would have no idea that it even exists. Anyway, like in the 1939 version, the 1933 short is also called simply The Wizard of Oz. If you've actually read the original book, then you know that the full title is The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. But after the release of the 1939 version, the shortened title, The Wizard of Oz, has just kind of stuck. Everyone knows it as such, and even the original book gets called that nowadays, to the point that if you tried to correct anyone, you'd probably be looked at as way too pedantic. I'm not sure if this short was responsible for that, or if it was the 1929 silent version, but I think The Wizard of Oz, as the most recognized title, was pretty much set in stone after the 1939 version. Anyway, the short starts out normally enough. There's an admittedly catchy 30s theme song, which, barring any copyright flags, you've probably already heard at the beginning. When the story begins, you have a Dust Bowl Dorothy looking like she lives in the desert instead of a farm. The style is very early 30s, kind of Betty Boop meets Popeye or something like that. There's almost no dialogue and no color, which, given that the titles were in color a second ago, plus I already mentioned that licensing issue with Technicolor preventing the film's release, so you know something's up with the black and white. Dorothy and Toto are playing fetch with an old board with a nail sticking out of it, because it was the Great Depression and old planks and rusty nails counted as acceptable toys, apparently. So the storm hits, they rush inside just in time to get swept up in the tornado. The house flies through the air for a few seconds before Dorothy and Toto fall out of the house, 
And all of this has happened within the first minute of the short, so you know this is going to be an extremely abbreviated version of the story. Now, as Dorothy and Toto are falling out of the sky, the scene begins to transition into color, and my first thought was, oh yeah, since the MGM version did the black and white to color thing, every version thinks they have to do it too. But then my next thought was, wait, didn't this one come out first? And as it turns out, yes, this one was released a full six years before the 1939 version, so I feel fairly certain that unless this was all a massive coincidence, the MGM version took that genius bit of storytelling from this obscure little 1933 short that almost no one even saw. And yes, I called one of their choices genius, but that's pretty much where their creativity ends. Or maybe begins, because for most of the rest of this, it seems like they've created their own brand new story. So as you can tell, this is already not going as it should, because they've fallen out of the house. That house is now gone, never to be seen again. Maybe it falls on the witch on its own, but we'll never know because Dorothy herself lands on the scarecrow. The witch is nowhere to be seen, and there are no witches at all in this entire short. How can you do The Wizard of Oz with no witch? Poorly, that's how. So, Dorothy falls on the scarecrow, and they proceed to waste way too much of this film's eight minutes of screen time learning to walk and playing fetch with Toto. Because creativity? Why, Frank Joslinbaum? Why? This leads to them meeting the Tin Man, which leads to the very last recognizable element of the original story, because as soon as he can freely move, he points ahead to Emerald City. They're already there. That's right. There's no witches, no lion, no silver shoes, no munchkins, winkies, mice, kaleidas, or anything else from the book. The wizard is still coming, but he ain't the real Wizard of Oz, and you'll see what I mean when we get there. For now, we'll go on with whatever the short is becoming, because we're at the two-minute mark of an eight-minute film, and we've already run out of any actual Oz material. From here, we get almost a full minute of swans making out, a butterfly watching birds kissing and winking at the camera before he covers them up with his wings, two bees flying into a flower followed seconds later by a swarm of tiny bees in diapers exiting the flower. What? The heck? Is this supposed to be a reference to the birds and the bees? And if so, why? What on Oz does this have to do with literally anything? This is as out of place as that bizarre Quentin Tarantino cameo in The Muppets Wizard of Oz, which is a version I don't think we're covering this year, but we'll definitely see about next year. After this random nonsense, we actually get into the city, and here we are greeted with the standard 1930s cartoon parade of characters we've never met before and will almost certainly never see again, which oddly enough, if you'll remember, was a trope that came up in my conversation with Eli Sanza talking about the 1939 Wizard of Oz. After the weird parade, our main characters are shown to the wizard by singing suits of armor with a reprise of the theme song. They enter his chamber and the wizard cackles evilly and waves a magic wand creating chairs for everyone. That's right. The wizard has magic, complete with a stereotypical wizard cloak and pointy hat. This is not the real Wizard of Oz, who, as everyone knows, has zero actual powers and was an admitted fraud. Did these people even read the book? They all sit down looking absolutely gobsmacked as the wizard, who apparently has been dying for a willing audience, starts putting on the most random magic show I've ever seen, creating hats which spawn rabbits that are actually dolls, who come out and do a tiny dance routine, which basically amounts to all doing the same pose twice, changing the color of their clothes, and then falling backwards, disappearing into nothing. 
And this is apparently the most amazing thing that Dorothy and company have ever seen because they erupt into wild applause, making Mickey Mouse sounding cheers. The wizard then pours some green liquid into a hat, which turns into a chicken, which lays a bunch of eggs. And incidentally, the wizard also spills this liquid, which is lapped up by Toto, who suffers no ill effect except barking like a chicken. This happens once and plays no part in the rest of the story. It's just another random thing that happens for no reason. The wizard then proceeds to break every egg the chicken just laid, revealing a series of bizarre animal hybrids. And when he gets to the last egg, an extra small one, he is stopped by the mother hen, who is apparently very upset that he's been breaking all her babies. And the egg proceeds to grow so huge that it starts taking down the entire building. You get a random montage of destruction, as well as the wizard and Dorothy chasing Toto, who has stolen the magic wand for some reason. The Scarecrow and Tin Man, meanwhile, are smashing every weapon they can get their hands on against the egg to no avail. There's like a full minute wasted here on these repeated gags, trying to break open the egg and chasing Toto with the wand. Finally, Toto gets to the Tin Man, who is waiting for the next weapon, and he doesn't even look at what he's grabbing, and takes the magic wand, smashing it against the egg, which explodes, revealing a tiny, normal-sized chicken side. The mother chicken flies into the egg, and all the characters gather around the shards of egg and sing Rockabye Baby to the chickens. The end. Yes, that is the end. It seems like Dorothy never gets home from Oz. Apparently, she just lives there for the rest of her life, probably watching this demented old wizard do random tricks, while all the bugs and birds outside do who knows what, while a creepy butterfly watches them. This is the perfect place to ask, what the heck did I just watch? Now I knew going into this that it couldn't possibly be all that faithful to the original story in just under eight minutes, but I was still expecting them to at least attempt to tell the story. Instead, it seems like they gave up after two minutes and then just decided to do their own thing instead. Like, what's the point of even calling this the Wizard of Oz if you're not even going to try? Brand recognition? Uh, like I said, this thing never even got released, so there's no real audience to be furious at the betrayal of the original story. Except for me. So whatever. Anyway, despite my seemingly negative review, I didn't entirely hate it. It was fine for an early 30s animated short. It was just that it was horrible as an adaptation of a beloved childhood classic. Okay, that's all I've got for this bonus episode of Every Version Ever. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled program next time with a brand new episode featuring Nikki from Trivial Theater. You don't want to miss it, so we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Hail to the Wizard of Oz, to the Wizard of Oz.